Thank you for tuning into Sochcast. We hope you enjoy this uninterrupted listening experience. But before that, please do listen to these messages that come from those that support your favorite show. Raj Naik's talk show Fridays Live features high-profile guests from various walks of life who engage in a free-flowing and inspiring chat with him. Welcome to Fridays Live with me Raj Naik. This evening on Fridays Live, we have somebody whom you would have all watched on National News Network. He's a regular there. He's a political activist political analyst and a social activist he's also an entrepreneur my guest this evening is the articulate and outspoken tehsin punawala tehsin welcome to the show thank you raj thank you so much for having me thank god it's friday because friday live is with raj <laughs> thank god <laughs> and uh, you know just to make you feel comfortable tehsin uh Unlike all your news channel debates, there's not not going to be not going to be any shouting and screaming here, and you're the only person. And I'll let you talk as much as you want to talk. Wait, wait, wait! It's not just the uh, news channels. Unlike Big Boss, also, which, by the way, I consulted you before going. There's going to be no screaming and shouting. Yeah, in fact, uh, yesterday when I told my wife that you're coming on uh, Friday's live, she said, oh. "Ask why, what made you go into Big Boss?" And that's a question I'll come come to you. Raj Nayak, Raj Nayak, Raj Nayak encouraged me to go on Big Boss. He was the first phone call I made. I swear, you must hear this. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Tayson, uh, you know, people have watched you on national television. People see you. Yeah. You're almost an household name now, uh, and yet. people know who you are but they still don't know who you are you know what i mean uh, yeah. so so this uh, chat this evening is more about getting to know you and uh, understanding your journey and also uh, obviously i will ask you some questions on uh, uh, your professional life uh, yeah. and that's important and and that's that's the flow of today's evening chat live chat that we have and uh, i have brought my green tea along with me here it is i'm just okay. waiting for my coffee you're waiting for your coffee okay great okay raj so i was no one thing mai chai pe charcha nahi karta to bhi to aapke paas coffee hai aur mere paas chai hai you know okay okay that's in so tell me i mean uh, pune wala the surname are you actually from pune yeah absolutely you can You can take me out of Pune, but you can never take Pune out of me. Interesting. So tell me about uh, tell me about your. I basically, you know, that's where I start from. Tell me about your uh, family, your parents. I mean, uh, your upbringing, your childhood. So we can start with your parents. If that's a good starting point. That's a great starting point. Um, I had a I had an amazing childhood. Very fortunate. I had a great. Uh, I had great parents. I had great. Uh, my my father passed away when I was in school, um, and that was quite a little bit of a shock to me. But my mum's still there, and uh, uh, amazing childhood. Um, they're very kind. They're very nice, and I think both my parents taught me empathy. I come from a family where my grandfather, uh, and this is I've told very few people, but my grandparents actually served Mahatma Gandhi when he was in Aga Khan Palace in jail. So my grandfather and grandmother were serving Bapu and his wife in jail. and that's the family i come from and very very proud to to have to learned values from them interesting uh 
sorry to hear about your dad passing away at yeah. a young age. You know, I mean, yeah. it's tough on you, right? Very tough. Uh, very tough, Raj. And uh, I haven't again told this to anybody. But uh, you know, and I'm saying this in particular because there's a lot of news and noise now being made around depression in the news industry. And uh, I went through a phase of depression when my father passed away. And I don't think most people understand what depression is. Uh, Raj, I've heard, I've been on news channels where they say, "Oh, this guy was partying. How can he be depressed?" Raj, I was uh, living the most amazing life. but from inside i was depressed and this was as a teenager and we weren't even used to counselors then now today there's slightly more awareness despite it still being still being so stigmatized so i went through a phase of depression i don't think and i i just want to put this out there because i've heard so much of wrong things about depression on news channels so i just wanted to put this out there no better forum than yours it's a good thing you're saying that you know i mean a lot of people i mean i know people in my circle of friends who who are well educated and you know they don't really take it that depression is actually a disease i mean it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a, it needs medical treatment um, it does it's not something that you know uh, people think that you do positive talking and positive thinking and everything will change you know uh, it's it's good that you said that so so tell me about your schooling your childhood your sibling uh schooling was in a school called st vincent's it was um, it was um, an amazing school it was then the considered considered uh, one of the best schools in pune and i'm very glad that my parents chose to send me to vincents because what that school taught me was values uh, until now i didn't realize that my partner in school his father worked as a pune in the school so i think what the school instilled more than education was values and um, i'm so grateful that i went to a school like that rather than one of the international schools that have now much home because i think values are the most important thing that we carried both my parents my mom even now my father instilled a lot of values in both my brother and me and i just hope that is something that uh, we can take forward at least i can take forward for me i think being empathetic is most important it's college i did in warriors it's a pune college it's a college in pune yeah i noticed that you are very close to your mom i mean i've seen it on your stories and things like that and that's something in common between us i feel i can see a lot of similarities you mentioned about your uh, grandfather serving mahatma gandhi yeah my was a freedom fighter he fought for this country so yeah. so and uh, he he also went to jail i mean just for your information and oh, yeah. uh, i've said this story many times i feel proud uh, being his son so uh, so tell me about your mother i mean you're very close to her i mean what was yeah. it like was she working when you were young yeah so my mom was a simple housewife when my uh, father passed away and obviously my mom had to take over the business and uh, i was going through an entire awkward teenage phase where on the face of it i had this amazing lifestyle like anybody who would see me would think i had this amazing life and yet from within i was very very depressed because i was very close to my father i was actually much closer to my father he was my best friend uh, i used to call him pops popsy we were very close and uh, so i went through this entire growing up phase without my father and i went through this massive um, depression my mom uh, you know she's been there for me and i genuinely believe this raj if instead of my father my mom would have passed away i don't think my father would have been able to raise two boys the way my mother raised two boys she single handedly raised two boys she gave us value education and we were bereft of nothing that i think is phenomenal and that's a tribute to the strength of women the tribute to the strength of mothers i think they're phenomenally strong i don't think my father would have been able to do it i don't think i would be able to do it 
you know that's so true that you say uh, actually you know when uh, the wife dies the husband finds it very difficult to cope with it in most yeah. cases it is happening among the older people and uh, when the husband dies women are more strong, much stronger i mean i let's put it that way and uh, yeah i've been great of your mom so so how many siblings are you so we have a younger brother i have a younger brother but before that I just want to add to this you know osho's written something wonderful he says women are physically mentally and emotionally stronger than men and you know you always question physically and then he osho says how many men can go through labor and i think um, women are just phenomenally stronger statistics prove it and uh, various statistics and i and i believe that though you shouldn't generalize but i believe that as for siblings i have a younger brother shahzad and um, i'm not in touch with him now but uh, yeah you know interesting you said about osho and he said women are emotionally physically and mentally stronger in fact now i'm set up something on happiness i'm doing something yeah. i'm doing a research and it shows that women are also more hard working uh, have higher level of integrity and more loyal you know these are some of yeah. some findings it's very interesting that you said that. yeah that's true and uh, osho was very inspired by buddha there's a buddha behind you there are a lot of buddhas in my house and um, just to give you one more data countries that have had women leaders right now during covid have statistically done better than countries that have had uh, aggressive male leaders in terms of data leaders who wanted to dominate i think women in general are more again i'm using the word empathy a lot in the show are more empathetic i think they reach out a lot more than men do especially dominating men i tend to agree i mean i'm a big fan of uh the prime minister of new zealand yeah i think uh yeah. germany i mean i can go on yeah. but yeah. no but it's true i mean uh, women leaders have always proved to be that much more stronger uh, that's true yeah i'm coming back uh, to what you said uh so when you were going to college what did you want to become or what did, i mean everybody you know plans to become something like right? what what was your plans entrepreneur i wanted to be an entrepreneur and and also and you're an entrepreneur now so what exactly do you do so as an entrepreneur now what i do uh, is is slightly different from what i did some time ago uh, i would originally run gyms night clubs uh, uh, when i was younger also because it was more glamorous it was more uh, profitable in that sense now what i do is i invest i invest in various businesses i'm an investor and um, it's not necessarily startup but it could be various businesses that i like to invest in in fact you were i've i've even shared a couple of ideas with you you know so that's something that i i i do and uh, it's doing it's doing well so i'm i'm glad about that and uh, what made you uh, then decide to get into being a pol- political analyst you'd say that you're not i i remember you made a statement sometime earlier saying i'm not part of any political party that's true uh, so you know um i was in delhi and um, i just started meeting people and politics is something as a child that always fascinated and attracted me even as a child i would read the newspapers uh, i would i would i would dream of 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 being next to politicians and seeing how they function it's something as a child i i i did uh, visualize myself doing and when i went to delhi it just uh, sort of the way just kept uh, coming there's nothing special that i did and i just think that it's very important for all of us in a democracy to have a voice and to express our opinion and uh, that's what i do and uh, i and i think people now sort of appreciate it and i'm grateful for that then why didn't you join a political party because at this moment i think i'm not uh, ready to join a political party but uh, at this moment i still need to 
get my bearings right. Um, I do know for a fact who I would not join. I don't know who I will join, but I know for a fact who I will never join. So that I am clear on right now. Okay. I'm not going to ask you that. What I'm going to ask you is, uh, uh, why don't why do you and your brother not speak? So that's very. So I'll I'll share that with you. It's actually something very personal, but I'll share it with you. I have no problem with him having a different, uh, so suddenly supporting a different ideology or a different point of view. I have a lot of friends from a different ideology, different point of view. What I don't like is the arrogance and the disrespect uh, that comes with it. I don't like that he makes it personal about my wife's family at times, and I think that sometimes makes it uncomfortable for me. And I just think that if that is happening, I don't like dirty linen being washed in public. I take a step back. I think he's supremely talented. I think he's an amazing kid. I think he's brilliant in speaking, and I just think he has a great future ahead. I just hope someday he'll be a little more humble. I think that's important. So, so how does your mother take all this? I mean, how does she she deal with this? So she split, obviously. Obviously, that's her son, and I've never told her she shouldn't speak to him. So obviously, she would. Uh, she does communicate with him, and obviously, she does. Um, you know, she has a lot of feelings for him, but. Um, you know, we come from a political family that believed in a political ideology, that worked in a political way, um, that has, you know, been involved with India's freedom struggle. Both my parents, uh, I can tell you about my father. When 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 the call came for people to sacrifice food because India was going through a food crisis, my father would live on half an egg. So they've been through all of these political struggles as parents. So I think for them, it's difficult to see the other ideology. But obviously, she is a son, so she does love him. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, uh, because it must be difficult for you, right? I mean, uh, as two brothers and then uh, in two political parties—I mean, not parties. I mean, polit- different political views must be quite. Yeah, yeah so that's me, life. You just mentioned about your wife. I mean, you said wife, family. Tell me about your wife. So my wife is uh, so Monica. I'm married to Monica, and uh, she's an amazing person. What I really, really um, like about Monica, what I really love about her, is two things. She gives me a lot of space. She understands me, and um, again, she's taught me a lot of ethics. I think it's very important to be ethical in life, and and she's taught me that. So it's something that I've learned from her. Another thing that I really, really admire her for is she's tremendously hardworking. Um, I see her working, and she's so hardworking. Sometimes I feel she's more hardworking than I am. So what does she do, Tessin? So Monica's a jewelry designer. She's um, into jewelry. Uh, uh, fashion jewelry, which is doing phenomenally well. Another thing that she's into is into health services right now. She expanded this way before COVID, actually September October, and then COVID happened, so her business started doing really well. She's in the consulting line in that, and um, again, therefore, I'm saying because she's in the uh, companies that she's associated with in the health services are companies that work on a different timeline. I see Monica working in the night and, and I'm so impressed by her dedication. And apart from that, she's a jewelry designer, so her creativity is it's fantastic. Having two different set of minds. And how did you meet? So we, so it's very interesting. Uh, I was actually at a TV debate and um, I was coming from uh, the PMO. Uh, then Manmohan Singh Ji was Prime Minister. I was at the PMO for some work and I was, and I had to meet a common friend of Monica and mine. I didn't know Monica. And I had not met her the previous evening. So when I called her up, uh, she said she's at the Hyatt in Delhi, and uh, if I wanted to drop by, so I asked the TV studio car to pick me up from the Hyatt, and I asked my driver to drop me to the Hyatt. That's where we bumped into Monica. I didn't know much about her then. I didn't know anything about her. 
we just became friends and eventually started dating and uh, yeah now we married that's a nice nice little romantic love story there yeah very romantic very romantic and um, uh the most romantic part is the first evening that i met her i cancelled my show it was not india today then it was called headlines today so i cancelled my show at the last minute because i wanted to spend more time and yeah and we got uh, yeah we just hit off as uh, we just hit off on the first uh, first time we met and we've been very very close what's amazing about her she's also a very close friend of mine so apart from her being my wife she's also my friend so i can share ideas with her i can laugh with her i i think i think that that is amazing I think that is the success to any successful marriage you know that's the that's the formula if your wife is your best friend then you can keep going on and on and on you know and that's uh, true they they will be your biggest critic but they'll also be your biggest strength and that's uh, true so you also I've, I've also noticed that you both uh, when i say romantic you also like to flaunt your relationship publicly Yeah because um you know uh, there is this perception in uh, if you're anywhere close to a political association you must not uh, flaunt your relationship i think the reverse i think why should people who are politically inclined in any case or in or if you're associated with a particular ideology or a party if you are why should you not be comfortable with being with your married uh, with your spouse or your girlfriend or whoever that may be today um you know that's changed in the film industry we know that film industry both actors a male and female are comfortable being married and they're very successful and i think that should change in the in the political industry as well film industry is of course always one step ahead when it comes to being liberal i i think it should change here as well why should you be uh, restrained you think in between there was a change in the political spectrum and again now again people are back to you know uh, having a typical personality i mean do you think that happened in between I think it's happening overall in our country. I think we are, we are, we are, we are unfortunately in the reverse gear. We are slightly becoming regressive and I think that's not healthy for us. We're a great vibrant country, young country. I think we are slightly uh, becoming regressive. I think that's not needed. The entire the entire you know whole uh, recent news that happened, the kind of uh, tax that happened on Bollywood, I just thought I thought that was very very regressive because uh, yoga, Mahatma Gandhi and Bollywood these are our three biggest identities in the world and um, you know export wise financially after it i think bollywood is our biggest export in the world i think perhaps if if you if you could calculate our film industry totally i think it's a bigger export than it simply because we don't count the tourism that bollywood brings in or the film industry brings in so i just think that to hurt something that actually feeds people in real time was was regressive but now to a certain extent it's been addressed yeah but but um i was shocked when i saw that was when i shot saw that attack i never expected it to be so brutal on 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 the film industry it it was more shocking for me because many members of the film industry sought to attack it and uh, some of it was unjustified a lot of it could be justified but not the kind of attacks that were made there was a demonizing effect i think that is not true of any industry i'm not very experienced with with bollywood or the film industry my experience comes from friends who've been very liberal very nice very kind no matter who they've supported politically i don't think it's a i don't think the demonizing was fair i think that needs to end for anything particularly the film industry that's inter- interesting you said that i uh, i want to ask you i mean uh, being a political analyst it's a very nice word to use right political analyst yeah how objective are you or do you wear a lens from a particular uh, or do you do you look at things from a particular prism a particular lens 
so there is of course there is uh, we are inherently biased and i am inherently biased against a ideology but uh, as an analyst i know what may win and what may not win for example it was very clear who would win certain elections so that is in that objectivity you're clear you know that somebody will win somebody will lose but there is a bias of being against an ideology and for a particular ideology i would say that uh, more than the word bias i would say i'm more attracted to something that what our founding fathers built for our country the vision that they had for our country i think that is what attracts me more and i think that is what we need to preserve as as citizens for future generations so great so now tell me about your your uh, spending time in the news channels right i mean you you spend a lot of time there because you're there on almost every debate uh, yeah so since how long have you been doing this doing news debates um, i think it's been about uh, 2010 11 and it's something i really 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 enjoyed do i believe we can reduce the toxicity and the negativity it's something i enjoyed doing it's something i i love doing so actually partly answered my next question so my next question was going to be how has news evolved or changed from the time you were doing it till today to to today like the rest of the country i believe it's regressing i think we we uh, a lot of times discuss non issues i think uh, that's not needed i think there's a lot of division in certain channels uh, that looks to demonize certain group of people whether it was bollywood at one point or other group of people religious or otherwise um there is hate being legitimized in certain sectors but i also think that there is hope because people are voicing their opinion um i think that um, that is also now beginning to change i mean i've been part of the news business for a long time a long time and uh, actually feel sad with what's happening i mean i wouldn't paint everybody with the same brush but yeah, yeah i feel that the way uh, it's been polarized it's completely polarized i mean it's no longer uh, i think and also a lot of entertainment now then uh, real news So a lot of lies a lot of lies raj a lot of uh, hate deliberate lies a lot of misrepresentation a lot of innuendos i think that can be done away with you've been part of the industry i think the primary job of of media is to question government i think when media starts questioning the opposition i think it's not healthy um i would never take away their freedom of speech i would never go to the extent of saying they must be censored but i think they should should wonder what they do Good you said that you just mentioned freedom of speech so what is your view of freedom of speech um so it's slightly um so i believe freedom of speech is absolute however freedom of speech does not include the right to yell fire in an auditorium and cause a stampede if there is no fire um i cannot claim that it's my right to swing my stick and it hurt somebody So while it's and and you know the, the the country that has the most liberal freedom of speech is America. It's it's in their uh, First Amendment, but even they are defined by def, uh, by defamation laws. So while I'm all for freedom of speech, I think there must not be deliberate malicious targeting or bullet whistles. We've seen examples of Rwanda, what happened. We've seen several other examples, and I think we need to be careful there. Again, it's not for government to step in, not for judiciary to step in. I think media must self-regulate. media must self regulate unfortunately they are not doing this and uh, yeah. it it may happen that it will need an outside intervention and that will be very sad that will be very sad that will be unfortunate because that will always be misused raj that will always and that, that that won't stop at news 
that will then happen to movies to your to your ot uh, ott uh, 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 your ott uh, content that is being made and once that happens india will not be the powerhouse of information and 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 content that it is becoming today that must not happen there must not be outside regulation therefore it is important that these guys get together and self regulate yeah i think today i just again read that on ott i think there is a notice or something that's gone asking for opinion on what the regulation is going to be on ott yeah can so can you imagine a bunch of people who have nothing to do with creativity will now be regulating ott content and where does that end what is ott is it just netflix for example or is it just your show or is it even twitter because your show is also in a in a in a sense uh, ott so now who is going to regulate it what defines right and wrong so i think this must not happen and therefore there must be self regulation it's very dangerous area so since you spend a lot of time with news you understand it so you you have the time in the studios i mean not now otherwise so <laughs> if you have to say uh there must be some checks and balances that we need to bring in yeah. without obviously curtailing freedom of speech i am completely against any kind of censorship or any kind of regulation uh, i am all for freedom of speech i think as long as i really don't hurt you and uh, intentionally not running something malicious campaign uh, yeah. that there could be defamation laws but uh, but other than that i think uh, you should because you know when i was in new york i w- went and watched a play the book of mormon I yeah. don't whether you watched it um, i mean if that kind of a play and they and it's uh, if in india i told you i had a sedition case on uh, hurting religious sentiments you know so yeah so so what if you suppose tomorrow i mean you had given that magic wand to say we need to bring checks and balances in the news business without bringing any kind of a law or any kind of regulation because they are not self regulating themselves but some checks and balances what are those few things that would you you would recommend so the two things i would recommend very very strongly uh number one i would give the the news broadcasters because we're talking about news your news broadcasters association legal powers to act but the body would have no government representation it would just be their own body which of course decide by by their own majority or their own way of working but by giving it quasi legal structure or quasi judicial powers they would it will enable them to work and thereby when they start fining people i'm not in favor of jailing people but when they start fining or taking action against people or even um uh, giving them a slight uh, rap on the knuckles when it's done by quasi judicial body i think uh, the audience will take notice of it and realize what is uh, content that is correct and content that is not required so for somebody spreading hate do you have a rap on the knuckles i think then the audiences are uh, sort of a uh, move away the advertisers move away because you know all of this works on the advertising uh, you know ultimately they require advertisers and the minute advertisers move away i think that's a lot of pressure the second thing that i would do which is again very important is uh, get in a more transparent barometer to to measure who's watching what at the moment i don't think that's very transparent in terms of english news channels yeah because uh... the sample size is so small that you know yeah few homes you change and everything can change uh 10 10 raj 10 to 12 yeah i mean uh, i have been part of this industry so i know you know it more than anybody else but having said that uh, and i must say again being part of the industry i do, i would never question the integrity of the industry body or the uh, thing that people do things but then yeah but the fact is that nothing is uh, tamper proof and everything you know if you if you want to do things you will do things so uh, 
So again, my question to you is one of the things I've noticed, and I asked this question to uh, another dear friend of mine who had come on the show. Why do people go on the show, and you know, when sometimes the anchors insult them? So I don't go on that particular show, um, but um, and I think that's a question that those who go must ask. But uh, since I, uh, I'll share with you. I put my terms and conditions very clear on when I'm going on to a show that uh, I should be allowed to speak, and if I'm not allowed to speak, I walk out of the show because I can understand that the channel has a particular line or the anchor may have a particular belief. But if I'm not being allowed to voice my opinion, I'll walk out of it. Uh, of course, sometimes it does happen that you're not, but by and large, uh, they don't stop me. So I make it abundantly clear to the coordinators and in writing. And you are also a social activist. I see that any time something happens, you are there. In the- Filing something in the Supreme Court or you know, uh, at the forefront of things. So, yeah. where does all this come from? I mean, is it again the lineage, your family, and things like that? Yeah, uh, injustice bothers me. Uh, it started with Mumbai, to be honest, and it started when there was a Congress government. Um, there was this inspector, uh, ACP called Gobble in Mumbai. He's now retired. Was model policing, and uh, he would catch random women at bars, random normal women. And parade them and say that they are sex workers. And there's this whole moral policing thing going on in Mumbai. And you'd go with a hockey stick, uh, beating people up, shutting bars down. So I went to the National Human Rights Commission against that. Then I went to court, and ultimately this uh, this police officer was uh, transferred. Um, for me, that's where my activism started. Um, I was fighting that there should not be illegal holdings in Pune. Again, I went to court and I won. So uh, that's where it started, and I since then it's, it's just been a sort of. Um, Involved with activism, but that takes a lot of time and resources, doesn't it? I, yeah, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of um, sometimes tears, pain, because uh, because uh, people because there's so many people that you're upsetting. There's so many people who are angry with you. There's so many people who are politically involved. So it it it, it takes a lot of time, resources, hard work, and tears. Let me repeat: it takes a lot of tears to fight the system. Yeah, and and that's true. Of any system that you want to take on, especially anywhere—I mean, in anywhere in the world—but that's reality. When you're fighting for justice, there is a—I mean—you have to live with the. Uh, what do you say? You have you have to go through the trouble. Uh, you have so, to. Yeah. So tell me, what is the life in the day of Tehsin Punawala? I wake up at four uh, daily. Four to five, I meditate. Um, then five, I again sleep till about six thirty, quarter seven, when I'm out of bed. Then I uh, I'm either working out or I just uh, do my swim. Then I again spend about another half an hour meditating before I start my start for the day. Um, during the day, I'm obviously working. I have my meetings uh, now. Most of them are online. Uh, trying to figure out what to do uh, work-wise. Uh, in between my meetings, I do all my reading for the day, catch up on the news to update myself. And um, by evening, I know what TV channels I'm going to be on, what the topics for the evening are. And now I have the experience that this is going to be the topic. So I I have a couple of people who help me with research. They give me the research, and then I start doing my research in the evening till I finish my TV shows. Night is what I do. I try and spend time with my family. With uh, if I'm in Delhi, Pune, however, or go out. So what time do you sleep? Mm, there's no time that I sleep. Uh, if if I'm not uh, nowadays, of course, uh, there's less. You go out less about 11:30, 12. Otherwise, um, whenever I sleep, but I'm up at four. It doesn't matter what time I sleep. My body clock is such that four I wake up. Uh, in fact, I have to share this with you. This is interesting. So I got into trouble in Big Boss 
because uh, this you know season 13 was in mumbai right so my body clock uh, wakes up 4 4:15 so 4 4:15 even in big boss as waking up now you don't know the time in big boss but i would know that i'm waking up at 4 4:15 and when i would go in the garden um eventually in about half an hour whatever i would hear the azan now because this was in mumbai there was a there was a mosque nearby so i would know it's 5 o'clock so ultimately i started telling everybody the time till i was called inside the in the confession room and given uh, taken to task that please stop giving the time out don't blame me but i'm going to ask you this question again what yeah. made you go into uh, go uh, into the big boss house you 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 are the first person i called the absolute first phone call when i when i got a call from uh, the big boss um, boys you were the first call i made to the second was ekta you were the first guy i called before i even called monik i called and said raj can you check if this is genuine <laughs> <laughs> you know it. and then i asked you should i go or no and you told me go and 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 honestly raj i'm very grateful to ycom to uh, abhishek to everybody um to the entire ycom team colors um to end them all and of course to you it was an amazing experience i i think it was wonderful for me i really do think so i have no regrets so so what is it that you learned unlearned in the big boss house tell us all about um what i learned is something i knew that i couldn't do tamashas which is why i got kicked out in the first week that i wouldn't be able to do the tamasha and, and stretch the issue but um what i also learned is um i think i made a lot of friends and i uh, with with those who were there in that season or at least with me and what i also learned was um, how important it is that uh, when you're away from all your gadgets and from everything um, how people can get excited and and i was very proud that i was able to sort of be in balance and not uh, crave anything so siddharth who won the season would keep asking me because i eat only once a day how come you don't get how come you're not hungry how come you don't want to eat so much so those things didn't excite me and i think i was very happy about that nice in fact uh, i always have a tough time of course now i'm no longer there but i used to have tough time telling people that it's a real live show it's not scripted and why don't you come i not. can speak to you but now if it's just no it's up. not i want everybody to know not a not a millimeter is scripted of course the show is created in such a way that it brings out the best or the worst in you but that's content nothing is scripted about that show nothing everything that you see is how it is and i find it very upsetting when people blame uh, ycom or endemol or colors for what's happening because what's coming out is who you are as a person they aren't asking you to say the words that you're saying they're not asking you to fight they're not asking you to abuse you are the one doing it they may create the situation it's upon you how you deal with it so i think that it's i think that uh, nothing in that is scripted and that's something regi also taught me a lot you know in one of the earliest earliest seasons my daughter was young and she told me she was in fact uh, one thing i've done is i've created monsters in my house <laughs> uh, never watched uh, big boss but after i joined colors they started watching big boss and now the hardcore fanatics uh, they sit and watch and one of the years i remember my daughter telling me which there were two almost finalists and i want you to make this person win i said i can't make this person win Say, but what's the point of being the CEO? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but how's she doing? How's marriage life treating her? Oh, she's fine. She's uh, she's fine. They are they are touched. They've got two dogs, yeah. and wow. they're, 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 she's, she's got hands full. But they're 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 living it up. They they typical uh, American life, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. These pictures were so beautiful. The ones that he posted. Yeah. It's just sad that after that we haven't been able to go visit them. But that's uh, hopefully when all this is over, we'll make it. Yeah. That's true. So I'm switching gears from Big Boss, and I'm. I just yeah. want to know. So what do you do? You. to when you say meditate what exactly do you do i'm because you know that's something i've been wanting to do and yeah. i've been very inspired now with shilpa telling me after my shilpa's uh, uh, live chat started doing yoga at least i do at least 10 surya namaskars to start with uh, i started i started with that and hopefully i'll con- uh, uh, make it yeah. a practice and build on it so tell me meditation is something i've never been able to do so can you tell me how what do you do when you meditate So two things. First of all, Shilpa is so inspirational. I mean, you know, I saw that show with you, the live with you, and overall, I mean, she's such an inspiration. She's taken, uh, you know, everybody's taking fitness so seriously because of her, and that's kudos to her. Uh, what I do with meditation is very simple. I don't have rules. Um, I think we try to tie ourselves too much in rules. Um, meditation is agnostic, atheistic. It's got nothing to do with God. So I uh, have a couple of meditation techniques. I let whatever thought come to my mind. The four o'clock meditation, I'm just thinking about how I want my day to plan out, and whatever thoughts come to my mind, how I want, and I try and uh, see various scenarios how it will fit out for me, whether it is uh, whether it is morally correct, whether it is correct what I'm doing. So I try and place myself in different scenarios with different barometers, uh, living those scenarios. The seven seven fifteen meditation that I do is more. Of a technique of breathing, so it's it's vipassana. I did I did two courses of vipassana, so I'm sort of following my breath, uh, seeing where my breath takes me. Again, I let any thought come in. I don't restrict thoughts. It could be as diverse. It could be something from Big Boss to President Trump. I don't restrict my thoughts, but the focus is on my breath. I am trying to focus on my breath. What I'm taking in, what I'm ex- exhaling, and then you know, with those thoughts, I let the with that breath, I let the thoughts flow, and I just let it come in. I feel it's it's, it's a very pure part of me. And how long do you do that? Well, the the second where you the, se- the seven o'clock meditation. So seven o'clock meditation is about twenty twenty five minutes, fifteen minutes. There's no really time. Like I said, there are no rules. It is uh, as long as I'm focusing on my breath and I can focus. It is the only the only rule in the second meditation is absolute silence. I do not talk. Another rule that I follow is four uh, o'clock and seven o'clock. When I wake up, I don't four uh, o'clock and seven o'clock. I don't touch my mobile till then. The two things I don't do. So I don't see my mobile. I don't distract myself with the outside world. It's just my personal space, my personal time. It's 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 pure for me. That's the only two rules that I follow. In that sense, there's no electronic uh, pollution. Got it. Yeah, but seven o'clock there's no talking. Seven o'clock it's absolute no talking. So even if suppose you know the the house staff is up or they come, now they know not to disturb. Like I will not talk. It's not even ishara se bhi baat nahi karunga. I just don't react. It's just about my breath. I'm trying to look inwards. It's called vipassana. Goenka ji, uh, it was a Goenka ji course. Yeah, I, I know about vipassana, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna try this. I mean, let my thoughts and do some breathing in the morning. So what do you do to relax? I mean. Besides your meditation, what what do you do? I mean, uh, do you watch movies? Do you read books? And what what is your typical relaxation? Uh, you told me you were a party animal that you established right yeah. at the beginning. Now that you can't party, who says I'm not partying? Of course I'm partying, but I party with only two people. We're getting COVID tests done, but no, I'm just uh, I'm just joking. Uh, so two things that I do for relaxation is um, I like to read a lot. I read uh, anything and everything as long as it's not fiction. So I I love getting my hands on any reading material that I can, 
and the other thing that i uh, do to relax is i sort of listen to music and uh, any favorite uh, favorites when it comes to so music i'm completely yeah i'm completely uh, crazy about edm but recently over the last two years i've developed a taste for indian music particularly indian film music and old film music and i'm loving it i i, I just love the, the 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 innocence of the old indian film music i just think there's so much of purity and so much of soul in that music um it's it's just amazing uh, if i just now while i was uh, heading back home in the car i was listening to yeh mumbai meri jaan and you know these songs have so much of depth to it i i i i, I, I love it i don't know whether it's with me or my old age but you know no i feel that old songs had a lot of uh, the lyrics were very strong and yeah i don't maybe we feel that way the next generation feels another way i don't know but somehow i felt that some of the songs that you, you just mentioned one but plenty of songs whether it was rafi saab or mukesh yeah. or nade or whoever it was the lyrics were very very meaningful there you know there was a lot of meaning to it that's true for me and and that therefore i find that uh, because you know edm is not about music it's about just about the it's not about lyrics it's just about the music by and large and suddenly now from this hardcore edm guy i i i am craving songs that have so much of meaning and depth to it and for me i think that's even even uh, some of the older english songs elton john etc i'm just listening to the words and they're just amazing michael jackson uh, some of these earlier compositions there's so much of depth to those songs uh, it, it's just amazing Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm used to Engelbert and Cliff Richards. You know? That's true, Cliff Richards. <laughs> I mean, you, you, the, the amount of, you know, I, I, uh, I read somewhere. Asha Bhosle said it's very easy to make to to write tough lyrics. It's very tough to write simple lyrics. I, I don't recollect where I heard her saying this, but I do recollect Asha ji saying this, and I think that that now holds true. I can understand what she said then. I heard this somewhere as a child. So, do you play any 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 instruments or something? No, my musical uh, talent is as bad as anybody else's. I don't play any musical instrument, and I can't sing. No, I'm not going to make you sing. Don't worry. <laughs> so you know, I have to tell your viewers what I should do is I should go to the karaoke bar. This is not just Jazz by the Bay, uh, which was in Mumbai. So the Pune franchise was owned by a friend of mine, uh, and we used to go and um, sing there. But I'm a bad singer, so I would only uh, lip sync while the other people would sing and sound like I'm this professional singer. One day, they realized that I'm doing this, and my friend stopped singing. And suddenly, I'm holding the mic, lip syncing. Words, uh, words are all I have to take your heart away. And I'm only lip syncing, and the entire karaoke uh, bar was laughing. Yeah, but uh, just by the way, used to be a great place. Every time, you know, those days I used to live in Delhi. I used to come to Bombay. I used to stay at the Oberoi's, and, yeah. and it was a must visit for me. Every every visit when I was there. There was one That's just it. and then there used to be a place in uh, opposite Bombay House called Just Desserts. I don't know whether you That's remember. That's true. I yeah. do. Late night, okay. people go sit on their cars on top of the cars, and you know that some, of, and it was really amazing dessert. Bed, but that was all in the past. <laughs> Wasn't it so, simpler then? Much simpler. Life was much simpler and much more fun. But somehow, you know, but it's not yeah. just India. It's the world has changed. And that's that's true. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Raj. Excellent, excellent guest. I really enjoyed this chat with you. Uh, Thank because you. Because the show, I had to uh, restrain myself in asking you being uh, on a spot. But I know you would speak. Uh, but uh, it was good. It was lovely chatting to you. Lovely getting to know you. And thank you. Thank you for making the time. 
thank you and thank you and please give my regards to your family especially your children give them a lot of my love and the two dogs give them a lot of uh, tail wags and hugs from Hachi and Miyaki I will do I will do and thank same you. to Bhakta and rest of the family thanks thank Raj you. see you see you soon take care thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed this Sochcast what is your Soch? send us your comments on our Facebook page and Instagram page it's time for you to do your own Sochcast at Sochcast Apni soch, dunia ko sunao. Sochcast